This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of Travel is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Good afternoon. My name is Allison Daniels. I am an investment manager at Virgin Management, which is the family office of Sir Richard Branson. And what I love about travel is the ability to see new things and experience new places and escape the everyday world that I live in for a little while. From cruise ships to rocket ships, this brand is creating the next generation of travel experiences. You're going to hear from a global legacy brand that is constantly reinventing industries with their mission statement, changing business for good. This is Travel Is Your Business, covering the intersection of technology and business in the travel industry. So, Allison, when we first met, I was so excited in our meeting because um, we are both so passionate about travel um, and you're with, you know, a really influential large brand. I come from JetBlue, I would hope to think <laughs> a pretty, um, a pretty big player in the travel space, it at is. least Give domestically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm really interested to hear, is there an overarching ethos at Virgin when you guys approach travel, when you guys are incubating something new, managing an existing brand. So is there just sort of a common thread and an underlying um, ethos when you approach travel, both investments and growing your existing ventures? Yeah, there is. I would say that the underlying ethos for our travel investments is exactly the same as the underlying ethos for all of our companies. So that would be changing business for good. It's kind of the virgin purpose, um, the virgin ethos, to use your word, what the brand stands for and what the Branson family stands for. And our idea is that you can create a business that makes the world a better place. Um, and whether that's a bank or a travel company, um, that holds true across all of the Virgin portfolio. So if you look at something like Virgin Voyages or Virgin Hotels or Virgin America, the idea is how do you change that industry for the better? And that might be something in the sustainability side. So Virgin Voyages just announced that they're going to ban single-use plastics from all of their ships. So beyond no straws, there's no single-use plastics whatsoever. That's a way to change that industry for the better. Something might be as simple as Virgin America saying, okay, I get on a plane and you show me a safety video and I'm bored out of my mind. And in the event of an emergency, I don't really know what to do because I didn't watch your safety video. Saying, okay, we can make that better. We can take a mundane experience or a pain point for a traveler and improve upon it and create a music video that's really fun and really exciting and has people singing along to it. So that idea of changing business for good I think underlies all of the companies, um, but definitely rings true in the travel business as well. Interesting. It seems like, at least on the ones that we've described right mm -hmm. here, that a lot of the um, investment strategy also happens to be very capital intensive. Yeah. <laughs> like cruise line, hotels, <laughs> well, yes, yeah. airlines. Um, you know, those are some of the largest suppliers that you can think of, right? Those are the supplier relationships in the industry. Is that um, a unique perspective that, that Virgin has that they're able to bring to the table in terms of the experience? Or 
why why these types of investments as opposed to say something a little bit more asset light like most VCs would be into it <laughs> at the moment? Yeah, it's a great question. I think a lot of it is legacy and opportunistic. Mm-hmm. So Virgin Atlantic started 40 years ago. Richard Branson wanted to take a flight and I think it was canceled or wasn't available and basically rented a plane and got a chalkboard and wrote Virgin Airlines after the music company at the time and signed people up and thought, this is great. I can do this and I can offer something better. Mm. At that point, we had done Virgin Atlantic. So it made sense to do Virgin Australia and Virgin America and really just looking for spaces where we feel like Virgin can do it better um, and can offer consumers something that's missing and will make them happier. Um, So again, in the cruise industry, there's nothing out there today that gets people really excited about cruising. Um, In hotels, you have many more options. You have boutique hotels, but thought that we could offer something a little bit better. The hotels business, the structure of our investments varies a little bit. Some of those hotels, we do invest a lot of capital. Some of the hotels were a flag and someone else is actually building it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say it's a little more product and opportunity driven than capital allocation driven in some ways. Um, Most investors wouldn't look at Virgin Galactic and entering the space business and think that you're going to get an immediate return on all of your capital invested because that's quite (laughs) capital intensive. (laughs) You have to build spaceships. You have to test them. You have to make sure they're safe to fly. Those are asset light, man. Very asset light. No problem. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it goes back to changing business for good and the idea of taking people to the next frontier, letting people get that view of what Earth looks like from above and seeing that we're one planet and one community and bringing that experience back home. And sometimes you need capital to do those things. Um, So I think we invest in a lot of different ways, but for something really compelling, those just happen to be asset-heavy businesses. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good question. It's interesting. Like the, you know, the Virgin brand is so strong. Um, It's arguably like the biggest asset that you lead in with any of these. But you mentioned that Virgin Voyages, which is the new cruise line line. that is starting to bubble up. Yes. Um, It's, it's operated with a separate team. So how do you structure these things so that you're, you're bringing the best out of these teams and working with Virgin's existing structure? Yeah, it's a great question. So Virgin Voyages is something that was actually incubated here. So we have an office downtown on Bleecker Street and Virgin America, Virgin Hotels, Virgin Voyages all started with um, my team and our brand team and coming up with a business plan and hiring a few key management members and having them sit in our office and Mm -hmm. being able to help incubate and assist and provide all of the back office stuff like payroll and um, tax advice and legal advice so that they didn't have to worry about that and they could really just focus on starting the business and getting it up and running. Um, We also have a lot of Virgin, we call them Virgin alumni, people that have been on my team or worked in other Virgin companies that stay in the ecosystem. So Virgin Voyages is a great example. Uh, Their Mm. chief commercial officer is a guy named Normal Savaramutu, who was on my team um, and did investments for Virgin for eight years. Their Voyages CMO is a guy named Nathan Rosenberg, who was the CMO of Virgin Mobile Canada for many years. So you get people who have lived and breathed the Virgin brand and the Virgin ethos and really understand it. And when they can then go into a new company and help bring it to life, that's incredibly helpful. What we try to do is partner with someone who has the industry expertise so that you can really marry both of those together and get the best possible outcome. 
for Virgin Voyages. That's Tom McAlpin, who was president, um, part of the founding management team at Disney Cruise Line. So he brings the cruise piece. Um, the rest of the team brings the Virgin piece, and you kind of put it all together. The other thing that we try to do is my team, and we have a brand team as well, just support the Virgin companies. So we have some internal platforms. We have something called the Virgin Way, and we have regular boards and brand boards to kind of check in and touch base and see how we can best support our companies. Um, sometimes it's an investment perspective and you would get something similar from a private equity firm or a venture capital firm. But that brand piece, I think, is really unique. Um, and then also just leveraging the Virgin portfolio. So let the Virgin Hotels guys talk to the Virgin Voyages guys because they've been doing this for a couple mm -hmm. years now. And they can say, you know, here's what we've figured out that works really well. Here's who we know. Um, here's what didn't work as well. Here's who reacts to the brand. And sharing all of that information within the group, I think, can be really powerful for our companies. It totally makes sense why you guys hit it off. Just putting it out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's we've like, been here for an hour and a half. We have to go. <laughs> no, it's awesome, man. So let's circle back to voyages because it's it's really exciting to see some heat in the cruise space. Yeah. yeah. Now it's an area where there just hasn't been that much innovation. Um, and, you know, it's an area where people spend a lot of money. Um they I don't do. need to tell you that. Yeah. So tell me, how did you target it and and what's the update on Virgin Voyages? Because I know our listeners are very interested. Yeah. So, water slides? Uh, <laughs> no water slides. <laughs> so the what I'm really excited about Virgin Voyages is I think we were talking about right before the podcast started. I this was my first project when I joined Virgin about four years ago. So I've gotten to watch it evolve from an idea to a funded idea to a company with several hundred employees um, that is now ready to go on sale at the beginning of next year, which is all really exciting. I know. <laughs> um, the idea of Virgin Voyages is, again, just to bring people a better experience um, the idea of being on a cruise sounds great. You get to be on the water. You get to see multiple destinations at once. It's easy to get to. Um, everything's taken care of for you. And in reality, when you think about cruising, it gets a pretty negative rap. You're stuck on a ship with thousands of other people. It tends to skew pretty old. You think of kind of the old buffets. So it just seemed like an area that was ripe for disruption. Um, a lot of what we talk about in Virgin Voyages and what I think is going to make it really special is the programming. And so we released recently a bunch of information about the health and wellness program. So you can mm. do sunrise yoga. You can do outdoor boxing. Um, just different elements that's a combination of a beautiful ship and how we make that ship really work well for our customers. Um, technology plays a big piece in that. We have a great technology team that's building a lot of that behind the scenes that will help everything flow more smoothly. Um, and a lot of it, of course, is beautiful design. So Virgin Voyages in, um, enlisted a bunch of architects, Roman and Williams, um, Concrete, Tom Dixon, big mm. names that you would know from their design on land who have never designed for a cruise ship before and said, you know, go to town. Let's see what we can do. And I think that's just emblematic of the experience and what it will be. Something that you would love to do on land, but take that and put yourself in the middle of the ocean, which is just a magical place to be. Um, so it's coming along. I was in Italy looking at our last ship. 
or our first ship, sorry, um, a couple of months ago. We're building three ships at the Fincantieri shipyard in Italy. The first is about 40% done. So that will sail out in March 2020 from the port of Miami on a Caribbean itinerary. And then we'll have two more ships following, one in 2021 and one in 2022. So a lot more to be um, revealed and shared in the next couple of weeks, but or next couple of months, I should say. And speaking about that, you know, going to the shipyard and that experience, I remember you telling me about the ecosystem of how these ships are built and how there's very few suppliers. Can you talk about that? Because it kind of blew my mind when I heard it. Yeah, it's interesting. So in the same way that if you think about a plane and you have Boeing and Airbus, the big ships are really built in two places. They're built in Germany um, by a shipyard called Meyerwerft, or they're built in Italy by a shipyard called Fincantieri. And then there's a small French and Chinese shipyard. But our ships are about 2,800 passengers, 110,000 gross, gross tons, um, which is kind of a medium-sized ship. I know that sounds crazy, but you have ships out there that are 5,500 passengers. Right. So for yeah. us, we felt like that was a sweet spot where – you have enough space to have lots of restaurants and lots of activities and build beautiful spaces and communal areas, but you also aren't completely overwhelmed by being with you know, 6,000 other people. So in order to build a ship that big, those are really your two options. Uh, when we started the business, there was a lot of availability. It was kind of still after the financial crisis, the shipyards had tons of space. And that was part of the thesis that this will be incredibly easy. What's actually happened is that the shipyards have never been busier. So (laughs) (laughs) they now, tacos there, I think are well over 100 ships on order between now and 2026. And they just get very full. Um, Mm. You need to place orders several years out in order to be able to build your ship. So we're really excited to have you know, ship number two and ship number three kind of coming and have that pipeline. And the Fincantieri and the Italians have been great working with us. Um, we're a little difficult because they're used to building for large established companies. And we're a startup that doesn't have um, the kind of information that they're used to getting or. Yeah, it's just a very different process. Um, that's a good way to put it. So they've never <laughs> dealt with a startup before, um, yeah. but it's been a lot of fun. That's really, I, I'd be interested in some, if you're in the design phase, right? We yep. were talking, Bess and I talked with um, uh, Romeo Power and about batteries, mm-hmm. right? And how batteries are now going to become a necessity, I think, of the Nor- of Norway. That you can't like dock in Norway without a, a battery in, uh, powering the ship, which right. seems yeah, very, crazy. very uh, <laughs> intense, um, but inevitably good. Um, so I'm curious, is this... Is battery power something that you guys are looking at or like what are what are even vendors that that startups could become? You know, what are things that yeah. you guys hope or wish were created right now that would make it easier? I haven't heard about the batteries. That's really interesting. All right, cool. We've looked a lot at how you power the ship. So, you know, regular fuel versus LNG, mm. um, the size components of all of that. I think size is a big one. So if I think about batteries mm. and the impact that that's had on vertical farming, for example, right. the size and the affordability of an LED light or of a battery makes a huge difference in those type of industries. I would think that the same would be true 
um, across the cruise space, whether it's a battery or particularly sustainability initiatives. Um, we have scrubbers on our ships to help kind of remove the sulfur and make the fuel more efficient. We have partnered with an agency called Climion, which also helps in the sustainability initiative. So I think as more of those companies come out, mm. that will be really exciting to just help remove the waste to do so in a environmentally friendly manner. Um, but size is a big thing. You take up a lot of space on the ship for tanks and engines and all of that. And if you can make that smaller, you have more room for bars and restaurants and cabins and all of the more exciting things. Yeah. Commercial enterprise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I know you guys are also opening, you have a couple of hotels already, and you're opening more in the U.S. How does that fit into the Voyages ecosystem? Yeah, or does a, it? It's a great question. So we have one hotel open right now in Chicago. Um, it's open in the Loop. It's a great hotel. If you guys haven't been, it was voted Condé Nast Reader's Choice Award, number one hotel in the U.S. Its first year it was open. Wow. Which is really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the next hotel is opening later this year in San Francisco, um, which is an area kind of we've talked about this best starved for good hotels. Yeah. So I'm personally very excited about that one. And similarly to Virgin Voyages, the hotels have some distinguishing elements that makes them feel very virgin. Um, it's the idea of a commons club. It's a lounge, cafe, restaurant, chill area that's in each hotel where it's meant to feel like a members club, but you don't have to be a member. You can just come, spend time, hang out, enjoy it. Something to help kind of bring the local community into the hotel also. Great rooftops, great music programs. Um, all of the rooms are chambers, so they have sliding doors that separate the room into two. There's kind of a dressing area and then your sleeping area. And a lot of that was designed with the female traveler in mind. So if you are staying alone and you don't want to see someone who's delivering your room service or if you're staying with a friend and they want to sleep and you want to get ready, you can have that kind of privacy. Um, I think in that way, it fits in the Voyages ecosystem or in the larger Virgin ecosystem because it has something unique and innovative and thinking about the customer, something to make your stay a little bit different than it would be somewhere else and a little bit more special and just more useful as well. Um, but in terms of how they will come together, I think it remains to be seen. We don't have a hotel in Miami right now, which is where the first ship is going to go out of. We do – we have announced that we're going to build a hotel in Edinburgh. So maybe one day a ship could sail there. Um, no plans yet. But hopefully the ships will sail places where the hotels are. Um, and if not, maybe someone comes over you know, from London – stays in Chicago and then comes down and just makes a whole virgin experience. So yeah. I think it remains to be seen. We recently announced um, a virgin loyalty program with Virgin Atlantic and what had been their flying club and kind of taking that out. So how that evolves, I think, will be really interesting um, as well to kind of create a virgin ecosystem in a little yeah. bit more of a structured way. Yeah. yeah, that's really interesting because loyalty is something that's such a big question in our industry now, yeah. right? Because people don't care as much about points as they once did in acquiring those points. Um, so I think if you can pull it across multiple platforms and multiple experiences, that's when it becomes a lot more meaningful. Yeah. So a brand like you guys makes sense to do it. 
Yeah. You brought us something today. I did. That <laughs> I can't wait to eat. So <laughs> can you tell us what it is? Sure. So uh, our office is downtown on Bleecker Street, and we are near Dough, which is the new edible cookie dough shop. Oh, wow. I've heard about this. Um, <laughs> they have little... It's a genius idea. They scoop it like it's ice cream, and they have all different flavors of cookie dough, and then you can put toppings on the cookie dough. So it took me a while because I thought about bringing that, but it seemed like an odd thing to try to share amongst <laughs> multiple people <laughs> with the one pint and the multiple spoons. So instead, I brought little cookie dough balls, which are wow. much more easily shared. Great. Thank you. And you promise I'm not getting salmonella from this? No. It's, <laughs> it's meant to be eaten raw. I don't think it has raw eggs in it, but that is the pitch and the magic. You are oh, very, I believe you can also bake them, but wow. they're meant to be eaten unbaked. I like the, the packaging, too. Yeah, Nintendo. they really um, – Very talk on a lot, brand for virgin. Very yeah. on brand. Yeah. Talk, it says, uh, let's dough this on the napkin, D-O-U-G-H. <laughs> and we talk a lot – in the hotels and the ships about Instagrammable moments and the way that people look at design now and the way that they share that with their friends. And this place has nailed it. They have <laughs> the neon sign and the really clean, kind of cute, fun accent. So look it up. Dough. Looks like a brand partnership in the making right? here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you. let's dig in. Hey, everybody, this is Vikram Iyer with the American Enough podcast. And just wanted to thank all of you for listening and tuning in week after week. Uh, we are just on the precipice of clearing our one-year anniversary, and this has been an incredible journey and examination of who America really is against the, the headwinds of our modern times. If you are interested in the perspectives of mayors and how the identity of their cities is changing America's fabric, or how our foreign policy is changing the way that CIA agents do their business, or even how those brave enough to come forward and, and stake a claim in the Time's Up or the Me Too movement, how their identities have, have been changed by speaking out so publicly, uh, or even if you're just interested in how Netflix documentarians are viewing the world and using satire and entertainment to cope with our current times. There is something for everybody across this channel, and uh, we hope that you continue to subscribe and like wherever you pod. American Enough can be found on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play. Um, and if you have any feedback or have any ideas for more great show, never hesitate to, to email Vikram at AmericanEnoughPodcast.com or tweet at Vikram Iyer on Twitter. And uh, please keep spreading the word. This is not over anytime soon. Keep up with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Our episodes are available on iTunes and Google Play and online at travelisyourbusiness.com. Plus, there are a lot more great shows on Mouth Media Network. Take a trip to mouthmedianetwork.com to enjoy them all. And remember, we love fan mail. Drop us a note to say hi, suggest a guest, or if you'd like to become a sponsor on the show, email us at travelbizshow at mouthmedianetwork.com. So, so we've talked a little bit about cruise, and I still, or I guess I should call it voyages, voyages. excuse me. And, <laughs> Much more exciting than and, cruise. And your hotel extension. Um, but 
you know, when it comes down to it, you guys are really a family office. So can you talk to me about some of your venture investments um, and and how you guys approach those and just what it's like working for a family office in, in general? Yeah. So I spent time at J.P. Morgan before I worked for Virgin. And one of the things that I was really excited about coming over to Virgin was how small it is and that we only really have one LP. So typically, if you're at a big private equity firm or a venture capital firm, you're investing out of funds and there's all sorts of money that's going into it. What I really love is that we invest for one family and we know them and we love them and it makes it meaningful in a way that I think other investments might not be. Um, it also is great to have the Bransons and Richard in particular behind the business because he is so excited about so many things and so passionate about so many things mm. um, and also has an enormous risk appetite. <laughs> so <laughs> we can do things like build spaceships and satellite launchers that other people might be scared by or – have a long time horizon. We talked earlier about things that are capital intensive. And I think one of the things that enables Virgin to invest in those businesses is because we invest on behalf of a family. So we don't need to return a fund in a five-year period or a seven-year period when it takes three years to build a cruise ship. We can go ahead and make that investment and really think about the long term um, and take the time and the diligence to do that and wait until the market's right or the timing is right to exit in, an investment or make a substantial change. Um, that being said, it is nice to recycle capital a little bit more quickly sometimes to be able to invest in things over and over. So we have been making some venture investments, um, particularly over the past three or four years. One that we were really excited about this year um, was Ring, you mm -hmm. know, a little bit yeah. outside of the travel sector, um, but it's a digital doorbell was bought by Amazon earlier this year, and that enables kind of neighborhood security mm. and connectivity and really fits well into that virgin portfolio for that reason. I think you'll see that a lot of our venture investments aren't necessarily um, exactly what we do behind the brand. So mm. it's not going to be a hotel or a cruise line or an airline, but something that has some synergies. Um, we made an investment in Memphis Meats, which is a non-meat product, and that goes back to the idea of sustainability um, and how you can help change business for good. We're investors in Slack um, or in Capsule, which delivers prescriptions door-to-door. -door. Um, we're investors in Code Academy, which helps kids learn how to code. Mm -hmm. So you'll see that idea again of changing business for good throughout all of our different investments. Um, those tend to be a little bit smaller, but again, anything that is symbiotic with our brand or our portfolios or could be strategic um, and used in some of our portfolio companies is something that we get really excited about. Interesting. So you described it before, the, the kind of the unique setup of a family office mm -hmm. is that you have a sole LP. So especially if, if the LP is more, well, there's risk adverse, right? But if they're really leaning in they're <laughs> kind of into risky stuff, how do you set expectations? How do you, um, how do you evaluate deals in a way that's not necessarily just a pipe dream, but, you know, a, a tried and true investment? Yeah. So at the end of the day, our job is to be investment professionals right. and to be fiduciaries of the Branton family's capital and to grow their wealth. So that's always the end goal. We want to do everything right. We want to do it with the soul. 
but the numbers do have to work. Um, so we have a nonprofit philanthropic arm called Virgin Unite, which does amazing work. And they look after a lot of that. We do, we've done a couple of impact investments um, and the threshold of returns for those might be a little bit different than what we would look for in a traditional investment. But we'll go through all the same diligence that a traditional private equity firm or family office or venture capital firm will do. We'll speak to the management team. Um, we'll visit any sites that there might be. We'll get their model. We'll ask a lot of questions. We'll make sure that all of the IP um, is protected if that's something that's important. We'll go through downside scenarios and change key assumptions to understand what risks might be. Um, and then we look for a good return um, and yeah. make sure that that works. Is it mostly um, like later stage um, company. So if a startup were to try to approach you, would it have to be like series A later or do you guys have a... So a we've little... done a little bit of everything, um, but the ideal sweet spot has been kind of series A, mm -hmm. something with revenue, maybe not quite cash generating yet, um, but on the verge. But And we'll look at a bunch of different stuff. That's historically been where we've liked to invest those, that series A, series B, um, and where we think we can be the most helpful given our background kind of growing business businesses. You know, not only have we talked about the voyages in the hotels, but you used to be our direct <laughs> competitor um, with Virgin America, which has since been acquired. Yep. Um, but you guys still have a really global presence with um, Virgin Australia and what's the Virgin yeah. Atlantic. Virgin Atlantic. Um, so can you talk to us at all about what's the legacy of Virgin America and how do you see kind of the extension and it live on with your other airline brands? Yeah, I think it's a great question. For us, Virgin America, I think really put Virgin on the map in the U.S. That's what most people know. When I tell people that I work for Virgin or that I work for Richard Branson, I usually will get asked, oh, Virgin America, go, are you an airline attendant? No, we <laughs> yeah, actually have I other companies, <laughs> but that's what people think of. Um, and I think it's a compliment to right. the brand and to Virgin America and what they built that that's what comes to people's mind. Um, mm. The company, you know, again, as I said, was built in our office and just rethought things and did things differently. And I think that's a big advantage when you start something yourself, as much as we'll invest um, behind ideas or in venture companies where we've really had the most success and I think built the most lasting businesses and most lasting brands are when we've started companies. Um, so Virgin America is a great example of that. Who says that plane seats have to be uncomfortable and that the lighting has to be painful and make you look terrible? You know, it's just there's no reason for it. It's always been done that way, but that's not a good reason. Mm -hmm. So how can you rethink that? And I think you see the legacy in two different ways. I think you see it in the industry. I think JetBlue was a great example. Um, some of the changes Delta's made are a great example. You start to see more mood lighting. People have upped their entertainment offerings. People have upped their snack offerings. Um, I think the idea that you have to do better for your customer has lasted in the airline industry. I think the product that you see now is better than the product you were seeing before Virgin America entered the industry because people had to compete and you had to lift the bar a little bit. I think on the Virgin side, 
that wave of love that people had for Virgin America is something that we're hoping to capitalize on um, and to continue on through Virgin Hotels and Virgin Voyages. Um, and then also better integrating all of our companies. So we have Virgin Atlantic, um, which flies back and forth from the U.S. to Europe, as well as then from Europe to a multitude of other places. We have um, Virgin Active, which is a huge collection of gym chains across Europe. Um, we have Virgin Australia. There are some other beautiful resorts called Virgin Limited Edition, which includes Necker Island, a safari in South Africa, um, a beautiful place in Marrakesh. And spreading the information about all of those, I think, kind of piggybacks on the goodwill that Virgin America has left um, and that people now know what Virgin stands for. I think Virgin America had a little bit of the same experience in that Virgin Megastores had left and Virgin Records. So that was the original business. I think that set the tone for, again, what Virgin stands for, how we do things. It's fun. It's cheeky. It's different. It's innovative. I remember coming to New York and going to Virgin Megastore as a kid and thinking it was just the coolest <laughs> yeah. place. And you could listen to CDs in the store, which makes so much sense, but no one else did for some reason. Um, and then those businesses went away and Virgin had to reinvent itself again. Um, but, you know, the brand has been 40 years of that reinvention and building upon what else has been in the portfolio. So I think it's an exciting legacy to build on. Yeah, yeah. there's this book. Well, you, we were talking about it earlier, Losing My Virginity is that book. It's a autobiography of yeah. Richard Branson developing Virgin and then having to let the, the music group go. Um, I'd be curious, you know, you're working in the family office, but everything is still Virgin. Mm -hmm. So clearly he hasn't lost Virgin. <laughs> or virginity. Um, so I there's still a lot of virgin still happening. He didn't actually mm -hmm. lose virgin or virginity yes. <laughs> in this instance. Um, how does that interplay with the family office? Sure. So we have an entity called Virgin Enterprise Limited, and that owns the brand. So Richard Branson and his family own the virgin brand, and I think it's our single greatest asset. Um, when we have a company that's called virgin something, um, that Equity investment can take a couple of different forms. We might fully own the company. We might own a majority stake in the company. We might own a minority stake in the company. Or we might have no equity in the company whatsoever. You look at Virgin Mobile in the U.S., again, something that we originally had a stake in but have since sold to Sprint. Sprint fully owns Virgin Mobile, but they continue to use the Virgin brand. Um, in that case, all of the companies – all of the companies that have Virgin in their name license the brand from Virgin Enterprise Limited, and they pay a royalty to do so. Um, in addition to being able to name their brand Virgin, we also support them in a variety of ways. So we have a brand team that meets regularly with the companies and has a brand board. We have a couple of different annual events between all of the Virgin portfolio companies, sometimes global, sometimes in a specific region, to talk about the brand both the master brand and the specific brands. Um, we have different initiatives going on around what that brand stands for and how we support the companies and is there music that comes into play and is there various purpose-driven values that come into play and how each company can really sing to each of those attributes. Um, and then there's also an ongoing conversation between the brands themselves. So how can they leverage what everyone else is doing in the space? 
Um, but we, as the investment team, work very closely with the brand team, both when evaluating new opportunities and deciding, is this something where Virgin would play well? Is this something that people would think of as a Virgin company or would welcome the brand in this area, um, as well as just supporting our existing Virgin companies? So if we have a board meeting, you know, a lot of it will be about the investment and the operations, but there's always a focus as well on the brand and how do you help grow that? Interesting. So, so what's next? I mean, you guys are really driving the future of travel and have been have touched so many different spaces. What, what do you think will be next for Virgin or just for the industry as a whole? It's a great question. Um, I think the role of technology in the industry is going to be really interesting. You can see it a little bit in our hotels and you'll see it a lot on our ships as well. Um, the hotel, for example, has things like you could watch a movie on Virgin America and get to your room in Virgin Hotels and pick it up where you left off. Like just that idea of being interconnected. Can you check in without having to speak to a person? It's late at night. You're there for work. You just want to do it, you know, before you get there and go up to your room and be done. Those kind of ideas I think are really meaningful um, and not just in a digital way, but also in the way that they foster connectivity. So if you're on a cruise ship with thousands of people um, or you're in a hotel or you're on an airplane and you saw us with Virgin America and the seat-to-seat chat, how can we help people get to know each other better? How can we build a world where you make friends and you build relationships and you have a community that you might not have had before? Because fundamentally, I think travel is just a transformative experience. And I think the role of technology and the way it will be used to help enable that, both from a logistic efficiency standpoint, you know, there's no reason your bag should keep getting lost, to um, a really (laughs) fun way of, oh, yeah, I went on this cruise with my best friend, but now there are 10 of us and we get together every six months and have a reunion cruise because we got so close. I think that will be very interesting. We've talked at length about Virgin But coming up, you'll hear a little bit more about Allison. Are you interested in conversations about the crossroads of business and innovation? What if those conversations were about the largest industry in the U.S.? Hi, I'm Tom Kutzman. If you answered yes to both of those questions, then it's about time you check out Real Estate Is Your Business on the Mouth Media Network. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, realestateisyourbusiness.com. So, Allison, tell me, you come from such a strong brand and clearly are attuned to that world. What brands do you admire and use in your everyday life? It's a good question. Um, I feel like it keeps changing and it keeps evolving and people are starting to understand the power of a brand and what it stands for and voting with your dollars and your purchasing power. Um I really like Outdoor Voices. That's a new mm. one that I've been really excited about. I guess it's not that new. Um, Activewear, it's female-founded and female-run, which is really exciting to me. And the idea of just being outside and they call it technical apparel for recreation, 
which is a very fancy way of saying like clothes you want to hang out in. So not, <laughs> not just um, like a Nike or a really hardcore intense black with stripes, but pastel colors and kind yeah. of fun lounge active wear. Um, I like Patagonia a lot. They do great work. Their stuff is just really well made and really comfortable. Um, so yeah, I'd say companies that stand for something that have some type of very millennial answer. I know, but <laughs> <laughs> that make <You're> really <laughs> that first make really good products that I like and I want to buy, um, but also then offer something a little bit extra, make you feel good about purchasing them. Nice. And over the past four years or so, mm -hmm. you've been concepting and developing cruise. Uh, it's like one of your main projects, yep. right? So I'm sure you've done some research. <laughs> what has been your favorite and least favorite experience on a cruise? So I have actually been on one cruise. Okay. Um, <laughs> one or the other. <laughs> it was a, it was both. It was a carnival cruise spring break senior year in college. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Go in detail. Let's get to know Allison. <laughs> it was perfect for... It did its job. It was exactly what we wanted. <laughs> I was with a group of about 20 people. No one really wanted to plan anything, but everyone wanted to go somewhere. So we signed up for a cruise and we flew into Miami. We got on the ship. We went to some beautiful beaches. Everything was planned. Everything was included. We were all in close proximity uh, and it was very easy. It was a very easy trip to take. Um, I... Don't know that I would necessarily do exactly that again, but <laughs> 2020, I'm counting down the days to my virgin voyage. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, is there a final thought that you'd like to share, uh, whether a reflection on this interview today or your experiences perhaps with Virgin over the last four years? Um, yes. Memories from that cruise. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, I think the most exciting thing about being at, one of the most exciting things about being a virgin is just seeing the projects come to life and being able to go see a ship or get on a Virgin America plane or stay in a Virgin hotel and experience what we've helped to build. Um, but what's almost even more exciting than that is when other people do the same thing. So when other people fly Virgin America or Virgin Atlantic or go stay with Virgin somewhere and come back and tell me about it or post about it or go on Twitter and just, you know, read the reviews for our Chicago hotel. And the excitement that people have about the brand and the experiences we're building, I'm sure it's similar for JetBlue. I think that's really rewarding and really exciting um, because while a lot of it is about returning capital to the family and building wealth from an investment perspective. There's also a huge amount of it that's just about making the world a happier, better place. And sometimes that's really meaningful. And it's can you get people into space? And sometimes it's as small as your hotel has free Wi-Fi and it works really well. And that's fantastic. Um, so I think being better. able to give people all of that and see the love that it generates has really been a lot of fun. That's awesome. And uh, is there a way that 
people could contact you or the work that you're doing at Virgin? Yeah. So my email is really easy. Allison.Daniels at Virgin.com. Uh, we have a great website, www.virgin.com, that has a lot of information on it. Richard posts a blog on there pretty regularly as well, and some of our various entrepreneurs. And then I'd say just keep an eye out for the next hotel opening in San Francisco later this year and Virgin Voyages going on sale early next year. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Allison. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, my co-host, Beth Chapman. Happy trails. I'm your host, John Matson. Bon voyage. This has been Travel Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at travelisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, travelisyourbusiness.com. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.